Good morning. I love the prelude music in Christ alone. The power of God that I rest in. So good to see you on this Lord's Day morning. Trust you're in for a wonderful blessing. Looking forward to being in the house of God this morning. I've just been thinking about God's greatness all week and just being reminded of His wonderful love that He sent to the world His only begotten Son who made atonement for our sin. The hymn writer put it in a beautiful song called To God Be the Glory for the Great Things He Hath Done. I know the Lord would love to hear His people sing of His greatness today. And I want you to sing. Sing with your heart, with your soul, and lift your voice. Stand if you would, and let's declare through Him the great things God has done. Father, Lord, great things you have done. How wonderful that song is to our ears. Father, we just thank you for all the blessing things, blessings you give us in our life, Father. Father, we thank you for knowing that we can't see you, but we can feel you and hear your small voice, Father. Father, we know that, that while we are sinners, you commended your love for us, that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. Father, many things I hear from 
Christians, the first thing and the most popular thing is what my life was before Jesus and how it's changed after Jesus. Father, I know that someone's out there today that might have put a wall up between them and you, Father. Father, I ask you to reach out and touch them and prick their heart and allow them to open their heart to accept you as your Lord and Savior so that they can spend eternal life with you in heaven, Father. Father, just I ask that in your prayer, Father, today. Father, I ask you to be with Pastor Hunter and allow him to preach your word. He's preaching from the book of John, and what a mighty book that is. And we need that word, and we need the Bible. The Bible is the word that we need to walk with every day. Father, be with us now as we turn away to each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn away to your neighbor. song you hear being played is entitled there is a redeemer he's jesus he's god's own son he's the precious lamb of god he is the messiah he's the holy one i trust you know him today and there thank you that you're thankful for the father giving him to us lift your voice let this worship moment just be a blessing to you tremendous hymn and a chorus when I stand in glory 
I will see his face. What a day that will be when my Savior Jesus I shall see. I hope and pray that is a blessing and a reality in your life. Welcome today to Plantation Baptist Church. Delighted to see you, glad to see you, needed to see you, wanted to be in the house of God. I joined with the psalmist today when they said, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was worried when I woke up this morning and it was pitch dark. I could hear the rain tinkling a little bit out there. And in my flesh, I said, nobody's going to church, God. They're all going to watch online. So I'm going to preach from my bed this morning and, uh, I'm going to figure out a way to do that one of these times. I'm just kidding about that. But had a wonderful 8.30 service. How many parked on the concrete today? You're out there. We ought to say glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Whatever you want to say. Wow. Getting a glimpse. Um, Pastor, are we allowed to do that? Who asked you? Nobody asked you, right? Uh, Jesus made permission when he said, our ox is in the ditch. If you know the Bible, that's the term for necessity. Our ox was in the ditch. And it's a mud hole out there. And uh, so we're parking over here. What you don't know, and I forgot to tell you, is that we installed toll-by-plate cameras out there for those of you that are parked out there. So you'll notice a, a donation to the building fund on your credit card as you leave there. And uh, we've already used it. Listen, God met with us yesterday in a powerful way. We had uh, the flowers here represent the um, service yesterday we had for Neil, 30 years old, lost his life in a car accident. Of course, the family was here. Hundreds of people were here. The place was packed. And, of course, it was raining. And so we parked over there, and um, people were able to walk in. God gave us a service. At the end of the service, we gave people an opportunity to receive the Lord as their Savior and to pray in their seat. And I could hear in chorus numerous people praying and giving their hearts to Jesus yesterday. And so already souls have come to Christ based off of what God is doing, and we rejoice in that. You've given, you've prayed, uh, you've laid the concrete, you've done the work, and now God is going to just continue to use that for His glory. So thank you so much. If you're visiting with us today, welcome to Plantation Baptist. If it's your very first time, there's a card in the pew in front of you. If you'd reach out, grab that card, fill it out, put it in your offering plate when it goes by. That will give us a record of your attendance today. If you're watching online, please, please. Um, last week when I checked, they were watching in multiple countries. Uh, South Africa, Nicaragua, Honduras, the Philippines. If you're watching around the world, check in. Let us know. Pray for us as we will pray for you. Of course, church family, you let us know as well. Man, the clock is running on the weeks left into the year, and uh, I'm beginning to feel the holiday season come upon us, and our church will be going through some adjustments and some getting back to normal. And so I want to take just a moment. I know you come in early and you watch the announcements, and I just want to reference a couple of things that I want you to hear the words out of my mouth. This coming Wednesday, I'm calling all of the prayer warriors of Plantation Baptist Church. And you don't have to be a great woman or a great man of prayer. I'm calling anybody who would like to pray at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. We'll have the Awana. We'll have the youth departments. But this is the final Wednesday before the election where we will vote 
for the leadership of our nation. And I just believe that God's people need to bathe this moment in prayer. And so we will not be the only church that will be doing this. Churches all over the nation will be praying as we should. I'm going to present to you a direction of prayer, which means I've got some things specifically that I believe as the people of God, off the authority of the Word of God, that we should pray for the election. I don't I haven't said a whole lot about it. Let me just reference a couple things very quickly. I hope you're planning on voting. Christians should vote for the uh, leadership of our nation. I believe the Bible will encourage God's people to vote. Pastor, I'm so torn, I don't even know what to do. Right. As a Bible-believing Christian, the way you view the election is you are not a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent. You are a biblical value voter. Right? So, it, it behooves. Now, sometimes God's people are like the Geico commercial. I love that commercial when they're on the sand volleyball court. And he's got that animal. I don't know if it's an emu or ostrich or what it is. And he's trying to give direction. And he looks over and the ostrich has got his head in the sand. Right? God's people, we can't put our head in the sand. It ought to matter to us, the leadership of our nation, right? And so we have to do our due diligence. I'm afraid most of God's people enter into the voting booth and we treat voting like we did when we were in school. Just be if we don't know the answer, right? Just We just go down through there and we circle them. If we've learned anything in our nation over the last year, we have learned that the office of president is important, but the local office of mayor is important as well. All the leaderships are important. And you have a responsibility as a, as a Bible-believing Christian to understand the direction of all of those things according to the Word of God. And the biblical issues for God's people are the issues that we ought to give our full consideration of. And there's not, not the whole ballot is that way, but some of them are. And so as Bible-believing people and your pastor, I'm not telling you who to vote for outside of you ought to vote with a biblical mindset. And we need to pray that. And uh, if you want to talk with me about that, that'll be fine. I'll talk with you about that. But talk nicely, okay, because I get, I get, I get, I get uh, my feelings hurt. Uh, Friday, there's a youth activity, and I hope your kid will be at the youth activity. I had 65 teenagers last time we did an activity. And uh, if you're new to our church and you have teenagers, get them at the activity Friday. This will get them introduced to our youth group, and I know they'll enjoy themselves. The first Sunday of November, big day, huge day. It's not only the time that we change our clocks as a nation or as a world, but it's also the time next Sunday that we have some change here. We keep our 8.30 service. We will add back our 10 o'clock Sunday school. Next week, this service starts at 11 o'clock. Next week, this service starts at 11 o'clock. Okay. So um, we, we want to make sure to know that Sunday school next week. If you're considering joining Plantation Baptist Church, our new members class will start next week. I teach that. It will start at 10 o'clock in my office. If the crowd is too big, we'll move it to a different room. If you're interested in that, call the church and say, you know what, we've been attending for a while. We're not sure if we're going to join yet or not, but we would love to take the class. Love to have you in the class. Also, we have our new believers class starting at the same time. Veterans, November 7th is our breakfast for you. Please sign up at the welcome desk. Uh, Senior Saints on the 15th, we have a luncheon for you, our Thanksgiving luncheon after this service. 
um, in the fellowship hall. We'll ask you to sign up as well. Uh, moving into December, just a couple things quickly. First Sunday of December, months ago, before coronavirus, I scheduled a Christmas concert with a southern gospel group called Greater Vision. Uh, there's a picture of them. They, they sing better than they look, I promise you that. Uh, and you can't mess up Christmas. If you mess up Christmas, you're just not human. Uh, they, they, they're going to bring a concert to us. If you've ever been to one of our Christmas concerts, you know they're a blessing. That's December 6th. I think it's going to be at 5 o'clock. Tickets will go on sale for that next week. And uh, usually they're like $10 an adult, $5 a kid. But it's a beautiful evening, and we look forward to celebrating Christmas along those lines. Your children should be in Christmas program practice right now, and that will be on December 13th. And then Christmas Eve services, we will do two of them this year so we can distance um, as best we can. Usually we can put almost a 1,000 people in our Christmas Eve service. I don't know that we'll have that this year. We'll spread the services out. But um, if you've ever been to one of our Christmas Eve services, you full well know that they prepare your heart and your mind for Christmas. They're such a blessing. The choir is already working on that, and uh, I know that God will bless that immensely. Yesterday at the, at the graveside, we sung the great hymn, How Great Thou Art. And I was just standing there looking at all those people and thinking about that moment, and uh, Brother Rod was leading us, and we were singing, and it was just precious. And I, I wanted to bring that preciousness into our service this morning. I love the hymn. I love the chorus of the hymn. The verses help to express the greatness of God. Uh, the chorus expresses the personalness of the wonderful hymn. I want you to be blessed by it. Stand if you would. Let's lift our voice, and we'll come back for our prayers of the people. How great thou art. How great thou art, 
shout of acclamation and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great Thou art! Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art! Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to prayers of the people are coming. Uh, I want to give God glory. Brother Jack Powell is in our service today. He underwent surgery on his neck this week and God has brought him through. God used him and his sons and his wife at a funeral service yesterday and we give God glory for that. Brother Oscar Tapia is probably watching online. Brother Oscar underwent a major surgery this week. I heard from his son that God brought him through. We prayed for that. We're giving God public glory our missionary Steve Ziner, how many know Steve and Connie Ziner? Pray for Steve. Um, they found something wrong with his heart through a simple doctor's appointment, and he's undergoing a pretty heavy medical procedure tomorrow, and um, he needs our prayers. If you're, if you're friends with him on Facebook, he wrote about it there. You could check. He's probably watching our service now, and so he would appreciate the prayers of his church family. Uh, Roxana Patterson. I'm not sure if Roxana's in our service right now or not. She, she, oh, she's in the back. She's in the balcony. Roxana lost her husband, Scott, you know, passed and went home to be with the Lord a few months ago. She called and I couldn't take the call, but she left a voicemail on my phone. And when I played the voicemail, I just, I wept with her and I rejoiced with her. And she just wanted to give God public glory today that, that her earthly husband is gone, but Jesus is being a faithful husband to her. And he's provided for her, and he's worked miracles for her and her children. And with tears and tender voice, she just said, Would you just tell the church family, thank you for praying for me. God has heard the prayers. God is moving, and I want to give him glory. And we, we reckon that with you, Roxana, today. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, God, that really and truthfully is the could be and should be the testimony of all of our lips that our God hears and answers prayer. Lord Jesus, you are faithful and trustworthy and wonderful in the way that you care for your children. We just give you glory. We join with Roxanne, Roxanne God, and as her pastor and with the people of her church, we, we reckon the good hand in her life. Her husband has left. He's with you. But you made promises to the widows that are in the scripture. And I don't know anything that comforts someone in the time of heartache than the word of God. And so thank you for that. God, thank you for touching Brother Jack and Brother Oscar, great physician, for watching over them and caring for them. As they've undergone the surgeon's knife, God, you were the first surgeon to ever perform surgery in the garden. So we always run to you to make sure that we're cared for and covered. Lord, I lift our missionary to you, Brother Ziner. 
We love him. He's my uncle. I love my uncle and I love my aunt. Lord, surprisingly, they found something wrong with his physical heart. Not surprisingly, his spiritual heart is doing just fine. And so I'm asking you, great physician, to comfort him tomorrow, care for him. Lord, may your peace rule in his heart and guard his mind tonight. It's always an anxious night as you prepare for these moments, but I pray the peace of God would just rule and reign. Father, thank you for the funeral service yesterday. The scores of people that we heard calling upon Jesus as their Savior. I would say that Neil in his life would have given his life for that to have happened. I pray today for James, for Laverna, for the family, for Jaswani, for Roman. God, comfort them. Continue to comfort them. I'm sure they're watching today. They just meet their every need, Lord. You sure were glorified yesterday. Father, I want to say thank you for letting us park on the concrete today. It's just such a joy to our church to have stable footing and stable ground. It just, I love you for it and I thank you for it. Lord, bless me as I preach now. I need power. The word of God, may, may as it goes forth, Spirit of God, touch our hearts. Draw all of us close to you. Those of us that know you as Savior, may we be secured in your salvation, your love. May we grow deeper in our love for you. For those that are not saved, may today be the day they put their faith and trust in you. Thank you for providing for our church now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you as you give. God bless you as you put that card in the plate. The song they're getting ready to sing is a song of belief and conviction. I'm glad we can believe in the Lord Jesus. God bless you.
What a marvelous number. I trust that you believe in the name of Jesus. I, I trust you believe in something. What a joy, what a privilege it is to be able to believe and to believe upon the Son of God. Belief brings purpose. It brings blessing. That song brings us to our text. Take your Bible, if you would. Make your way to the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. John chapter 8. I hope and pray you can see a Bible today. Whether it's digital or whether it's a physical Bible that you brought. Whether it's the person sitting next to you. Um, If you're somewhere near somebody or a group of people and they don't have a scripture. And they don't have a device open. Maybe you could, if you have an extra one, hand them a Bible. You could share with your spouse or with your children. I need you to be able to read and see the Word of God today. As we come to the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. I would like to begin with verse number 30 as it just ties what you just heard to where we are in this wonderful book. When you come to the 30th verse of the 8th chapter... You read in black ink. You notice most of the chapter is in red ink. Those are the words of Jesus, if you have a red letter edition. In black ink, you read, As he, that would be Jesus, spake these words, many believed on him. It's a powerful, important verse in the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. Because it exalts once again the purpose of the Gospel of John. We know the purpose of the Gospel of John and the reason that the book was written is so that Jesus Christ could be evidence that He is Messiah. That He is the Son of God. And in that evidence, it would bring about a belief in our heart. And we as individuals and as peoples of the earth, as sinners, would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and in believing upon Him, we would have life in and through His name. Ninety-eight times, if you're just joining me in this study, is the word believe used. I would submit to you that the writer is making his purpose extremely clear. Last week, we entered into verses 12 to 30, with Jesus' great declaration as the light of the world. Seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus makes a statement, I am. You've already had some of them, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 8, verse number 12, I am the light of the world. John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I am the door, eventually we will get to. I am the good shepherd. He is not only those I am's, by his own admission, He is the eternal I am. In John chapter 8 is a volatile situation. Jesus is burring up. Now you have to be old to understand the phrase burring or bowing up. In John chapter 8, Jesus is bringing the fight. He is declaring himself as the Son of God, sent from the Father. He is viciously being hunted and attacked. They have laid traps for him, they being the unbelieving Pharisees, to find ways that they could get rid of him and accuse him. 
the opening of the chapter, there is a scheme to accuse. By the end of the chapter, the masks are off, the gloves are off, and the unbeliever has picked up a stone and is looking to kill our precious Jesus. I would submit to you that as we have navigated our way through the chapter, we have been able to watch the Lord Jesus present himself as the light of the world. Light, we talked about last week, has a purpose. Physical light expels the darkness and it exposes the deed. We have learned in the physical realm that light overtakes darkness. We do not use the phrase, turn the dark on. We say, turn the lights off, or cut the lights off. When light is available and exposed and shined, darkness must flee. When darkness flees, you're able to see where you are going, what is around you. Jesus is dealing with the spiritual lives of people. Jesus is dealing with the spiritual lives of these unbelievers who are unbelievers not through ignorance but through will. There's a big difference to be an unbeliever because you do not know as opposed to being an unbeliever because you do know and you choose not to believe. In their willfulness, Jesus has come into their world And spiritually, he has brought spiritual light. And that light has expelled the darkness that they have been hiding under so that they could commit deeds that were evil against God. In the presence of the light of Jesus, darkness must flee. In the presence of the light of Jesus, our deeds are exposed In their unrighteousness. Once Jesus has brought his light into your world and into your heart and into your mind spiritually. And the spiritual darkness is expelled and your deeds are there. You have one of two choices. Like they did in the opening verses. You can flee from the presence of light. And find darkness somewhere. So we can continue in our direction against God. Or... As the light is expelled, the darkness, and our deeds are there, we can run to the Lord Jesus and not find condemnation, but find salvation, love, and forgiveness for the sin of our lives. There is no reason for any repentant sinner to fear the condemnation of Jesus. Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to save us. The devil's done a good job turning that around. Light, liar, and Lord were the three words last week. As Jesus declared himself to be the light of the world and what he could do in your life and in their lives, as to that they would no longer walk in darkness but have the light of life, the Pharisees, upon hearing that, said, you're a stinking liar. I have found that men today are still calling Jesus a liar. I want you to understand that Jesus is God. The Bible says God cannot lie. Humanity were so quick to lie. 
We lie when we don't have to. We lie for advantage. You do not have to dig very deep within your mind to find lying and deception available to your tongue that comes from your heart. But I want you to know something, that Jesus is not the, type of, the same type of man we are in our sin. He is the sinless Son of God, and He cannot lie. Many that were there that day believed on Him. Believing upon Him makes Him the Lord of your life. Believing on Him brings about salvation. Today's text picks up with verse 31, and I hopefully I will be able to take you through verse 51. The message today will be preached by Jesus Himself. I will be the one just reading the Scripture. Where the Spirit of God pricks me to stop, I will stop. But I beg you, I beg you to let your eyes see the word of God and your ears to hear. Pick up you would in verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. If ye continue in my word. You should underline those two words. Then... Are ye my disciples indeed? And ye shall know the truth. Finish the verse with me out loud, please. And the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. We're never in bondage to any man. How dare you, is the text. How dare you say, ye shall be made free. The Bible says that God hates pride. It's amazing to me how entrenched in the sinful nature of humanity is pride. Every person in this room and every person in the face of the earth has to deal with demonic Pride in our lives. Pride that exalts over God. Pride that refuses to know humility. How dare you tell me that I'm not free? The problem that the Pharisees refused to address was the internal problem they had in their own heart. The Pharisees were a religious group of people that all they wanted you to do was to focus on their outward exterior, which was really and truthfully just a facade of righteousness. And they used their outward facade to cover their inward wickedness. The problem they had when Jesus showed up is that his light doesn't only expose the outward, it also exposes the inwardness of our hearts. Jesus here is speaking to those folks that had believed on him. We know from the scripture that true belief comes from your heart, your spiritual heart. The Bible said it is with the heart that man believeth unto righteousness. Many people have an intellectual knowledge about Jesus, 
but they do not have an heart knowledge. Many people have made an intellectual reception of Jesus, but they've not made a heart reception of Jesus. The old evangelist used to come and preach it to us teenagers, and he would say to us teenagers, you don't want to go to hell by 18 inches. And what he would say to us is, you know Jesus in your mind, but do you know him in your heart? That's a pretty powerful message coming from a pulpit with a man on fire of God. It makes you think. Jesus has said to those that believe on him that if the evidence of their belief is that they would continue in his word. Now, the, the exaltation in this moment of the Lord Jesus of his word aggravated those Pharisees because they had refused to humble themselves to the teaching of the Lord Jesus, to the truth that he is. They were hiding their negligence in the law of Moses. They were hiding their negligence in the law that they had done. And the last thing they were ever going to do was submit to this guy from Galilee whose dad was a carpenter. I got news from you. He didn't come from Galilee. He came from the throne of heaven. His dad wasn't a carpenter. His dad's eternal God. Jesus said to them, speaking of their spiritual heart, listen, fellas, you've believed on me. And if you will continue in my word, that is the evidence that you have believed on me. Then you will be my disciples indeed. And as you continue in that word and you continue in my truth, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, he wasn't talking about a physical freedom to where they were enslaved into the nation. He was talking about a spiritual bondage where they had been enslaved in their sin. Not only were they enslaved in their sin, but they were enslaved under the condemnation of the law. They were enslaved under the direction of the Pharisees. And so within their spiritual heart, they were in the bondage or the prison of what sin is in their lives. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. I just want to stop here and say, there is no freedom in life like freedom in Christ. Jesus will set you free from three things. And just put them in your mind. If you want to put them on your paper, you can study. Immediately, the gospel and the Lord Jesus sets you free from the penalty of sin, which means when you believe upon Jesus, you no longer are bound for hell. Heaven is your home. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know that when I die, I will not be in hell. Because you're a good guy, pastor? No. Because you're the pastor? No. But because my sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus. Free from the penalty of sin. Free from the power of sin. The power of sin is the dominions of sin that's in my life. Before coming to the truth, And the truth setting me free, my life was bent in a sinful direction. 
I may have been pricked by God in my conscience, but I had no desire for righteousness. I had no desire for holiness. I just did like a dog would do to his, to his instinct. I did whatever my flesh wanted me to do. And sin had dominion and power in my life. And I was enslaved to that. It was not until the Lord Jesus came into my life through the power of his spirit of God that he set me free from the dominion of sin. And now there's a new sheriff in town. His name is the Holy Spirit of God. He's way stronger than my flesh. And where my flesh wants to lead me in paths of destruction, the spirit of God can lead me in paths of light. Where I was in dominion and in prison with that, I know freedom through that. And I am glad and joyful to be a Christian. The presence of sin. One day we'll be free from the presence of sin. Your body contains within it a sinful nature. These bodies cannot go to heaven. That's why they have to die. They have to die because they're under condemnation of sin. That's why when the rapture comes, it's not your old body that goes to heaven. You've got to have a glorified body. The Bible says in a moment, corruption will put on incorruption. Mortality will put on immortality. Why? Because this flesh right here is tainted by sin. It cannot be in the presence of God. So whether I go through the portal of death and you plant my body. By the way, plant my body. Don't burn my body. You can burn your body. That's fine. I left barely enough money. I want to be buried. Why do you want to be buried? Because Jesus was buried. Bury me. If she burns me, say something, okay? Do something, all right? You're going to plant my body like a seed. I was so glad to stand there with all those hundreds of people around that graveside yesterday and say, I know you think that this is his final resting place, but this is not a final resting place for the body. This is a temporary waiting place for the resurrection day, baby. And that body's coming out of that ground, whether it's been burned, eaten with sharks, died, decayed, whatever, and it's become a glorified body, absent my sinful nature, wholly created by God, my spirit and my soul unified with that, and we shall forever be with the Lord. This is the freedom that the truth brings to us. Now, Jesus says to those fellows that believe, now you've believed upon me, so there's going to be a difference in your life. Let me say that again. You have believed upon me, so there will be a difference in your life. And the evidence that you have believed on me as Messiah, the evidence that you have believed on me for life, is that you will continue in my word. That doesn't mean that they live a sinless life. It just means you don't live a sinful life anymore. And as they continue in that, it's the evidence that you are truly my disciple. Let's just be real clear about something. Before you ever become a disciple of Jesus, you've got to be born again by Jesus. Okay? So the evidence of that. Now, they didn't have the written word. Jesus was speaking it, so that word had to be within their heart. And so as they believed upon God, as they believed upon the Lord Jesus as the light of the world, as the Savior, as the Redeemer of their sin, therefore the Lord Jesus says the, as, as the evidence of that is you continue in my word, and my word will make you free. So there is the acknowledgement of them as they have believed that they were in bondage. Hear the pastor very carefully. Nobody can ever be saved until you first are lost. I don't know if you're a lifeguard out here, but try rescuing somebody from swimming in the ocean who's not drowning and see what happens to you. Right? So you can't be saved until you first admit you're a sinner. God doesn't save righteous people. God saves sinners. 
We understand that, right? God doesn't save righteous people. God saves sinners. The old preacher used to say it this way. Heaven is filled with bad people and hell's filled with good people. Boy, that, that bothered me when I was younger. What? what? Huh? You're out of your... Heaven, heaven's filled with bad people? Hell's filled with good people? How is that even possible? Right. Because in order for me to get to heaven, i got to realize I'm badly in my sin and I need Jesus to save me. And therefore, I get to heaven based on his goodness. And a guy who says, no, I'm okay. I'm a good man. I, I do everything right, uh, proper. I don't need Jesus. When he dies, he realizes he was born improper and he'll be in hell. Now, the Pharisees... They hated the humiliation of that moment, and they hated the exaltation of the word of God. Watch the dialogue now. Verse number 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Well, they just told him, How dare you reference us to be in bondage? We've never known bondage to any man. And Jesus says, again, I'm not talking about your physical life. I'm talking about your spiritual bondage. And I know you've got this big masquerade on for everybody where they think you're righteous, but I know your heart. And I'm telling you that the evidence that whosoever committeth sin where sin is the is the leadership of your life. It's the direction of your life. It's not even hidden. It's just that way. You are the servant of sin. Listen carefully with your ears here real quick so you get this. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. I'm going to say that again. We are not sinners because we sin. That would mean that there may have been a time where we weren't. We sin because we're sinners. The reason that I commit a sin is because I'm a sinner. I did not commit a sin to become a sinner. I was born a sinner. So were you. I was born... In the slavery of sin. My dad did not sit me on his knee and tell him, teach me. Tommy, today I'm going to teach you how to lust. He didn't sit me on his knee and say, now Tommy, let me teach you one day when you get married how to lie and survive. Nobody had to talk, teach me how to lust, curse, steal. I knew how to do it myself. Why? Because I was born a sinner. So were you. I was born in the servant, as a servant of sinner. Okay, keep reading. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free how? Indeed, truthfully. So, so the servant, he doesn't have the authority of the son. Basically what Jesus is saying there is, you're the servant of sin. You cannot bring freedom to yourself. There has to be somebody with the authority to set you free. And the only one that has the authority to set me free from the servitude of my sin is Jesus. He's the son of God. 
verse 37. Jesus says, I know you're of Abraham's seed. He's speaking here nationally, not spiritually. But ye seek to do what? Kill me. Because my word hath no place where? In you. I speak that which I have seen with my father. And ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Oh boy, now we've got to divide. So basically what they said earlier was, Don't talk to us about bondage. You see that pin right there? We're of Abraham's seed. They tried to use their nationality as a a standard for righteousness. They would look at the heathen and the publican and the sinner and say, "They're, they're filthy. The Ishmael, you're filthy. You're wicked. We be of Abraham's seed. And so they wanted to offer their national privilege as some type of righteousness with God. Nobody is righteous with God because you were born in America. No nationality in your physical heritage brings about a righteousness with God. So they were trying to cover up their sinful heart and find righteousness in their, in their religion and in their, in their heritage. And Jesus says to them, fellas, I know you're Jews. I know you're of Abraham. See, but you're trying to kill me. I speak which I've heard from my father. And by the way, they knew that God was Abraham's father. Therefore, they knew they were trying to find righteousness as Abraham as their father. So when Jesus said, you speak of your father, he cut them because they knew there was only one of two fathers. Either God was their father or Satan was their father. Keep reading. I speak, verse 38, that which I've seen with my father, and you do that which you've seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Take your ink pen by verse 39. And write Genesis 15, 6. And go in your Bible. Let's take just a little tour here. Genesis 15, 6. Make your way to the book of Genesis. It should be very easy. It's the first book of the Bible. This is a little bit like a Wednesday night. But but you don't have any plans today. So you can stay here a few hours. Let's go. Come on. In a moment, Joey will break out five loaves and two small fishes. And we'll be fine. Genesis 15. Come on. These are powerful, wonderful truths. You've got to read them in your own Bible. Are you in Genesis 15? Verse 6, speaking of Abraham. And he, Abraham, what's that word, class? Believed in the Lord. Anytime you read your Bible in the Old Testament, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's God's name for Jehovah. Every time. The Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. So Abraham believed in the Jehovah of the Old Testament. In essence, he believed in the... 
Jesus of the New Testament. Well, he may not have ever known who Jesus was in person, although he met him and is pre-incarnate, but he believed in him. And the Bible says, and he believed in the Lord, and he, God, counted it to him or imputed it to him for righteousness, right? So if Abraham believed in the Jehovah of the old, he believed in the Jesus of the new. We be of Abraham's seed, okay? If that's true, then you do the works of Abraham. John chapter 6, please. John chapter 6, two chapters from where we are. Verse number 28 Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that ye, what's the word class, believe on him whom he has sent. And the father sent who? Say his name. Jesus. Come back to John chapter 8. Abraham is our father. If Abraham were your father and you were the children of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. What is he saying? You would believe me. Verse 40. But now you seek to kill me. A man that hath told you the what? The truth. By the way, anybody that tells you the truth is your friend. You find the truth in the Word of God. The Word of God is truth. People hate Jesus today, and all He is is truth. People hate His Word, and all His Word is is truth. People hate people that tell people about Jesus. All we're doing is telling them the truth. I've told you the truth, which I've heard of God. This did not Abraham. Abraham didn't hear what Jesus had heard. Abraham didn't see God the way Jesus seen God. You say you believe Abraham. That was limited. Why wouldn't you believe me? I come from the Father is basically what he's telling in verse 41. You do the deeds of your father. The pronoun is important there. Not my father, your father. There's a distance there. They got to the point. Look at verse 41. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one Father, even God. Wow, verse 42 is powerful. Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, ye would love, say it, me. Let's just stop right here a second. Look me in my eyeballs. I love you. I'm your pastor. I'm asking you. If God is your father, then you love Jesus. You cannot claim God as your father and hate Jesus. If you love God the Father, you love God the Son. John 14, please. Hold your hand here. If you believe in your heart that you love Jesus, then I want to read two verses with you, and I want your eyes to see them on verse number 15 of John 14. 
If ye love me, keep my what? Verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. If you love the Father, you love me. Probably 99% of the people in this room and listening to my voice would say, we love Jesus. So your pastor would say to you from Jesus' words, then you keep his commandments. Which means you're obedient to him. Which means you're not deceitful. You're not bound in sin. You're not wayward. You can't tell him you love him and then disobey him. You can't do that. First John chapter 5, please. Come on. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. Appreciate me and turn the pages. That just saved you 20 bucks. By the way, I feel appreciated every minute of my life to be your pastor. You've done a wonderful job at that. Verse number one. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. If that's you, would you say amen? And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Which means if you love the Son, you love the Father. You love the Father, you love the Son. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Now watch verse number 3. Please, you can't take Tom's word. You've got to take the Bible word. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not what class? Grievous. I love Jesus. I love the Father. Then you love Jesus. It's easy to say you love Jesus. The evidence of that is if you love Jesus, you keep his commandments. Yeah, but Pastor, it's hard. No, it's not. No, you don't understand. It's, it's, it's grievous. No, they're not. What does he mean by that? He means by that that saved people trust Jesus. Saved people look at the commandments of the Lord and we realize that these are not things that we can obey ourselves, but the Spirit of God is within us and we have a desire to obey them. And so when Jesus says, be holy for I am holy, it's not grievous to me when Jesus says love your neighbor as yourself I don't fight that I don't find it repulsive to obey what Jesus asked me to do his commands are not grievous he's a gracious savior 
back to John chapter 8. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Verse 43, Jesus asked a very difficult question. Why do you not understand my speech? Why don't you do what I'm saying for you to do? Why don't you receive me as the son of God? Why don't you believe me? Verse 43, even because you cannot hear my word. The hearing of that word implies the obedience to that. It's one thing to hear the words out loud. It's another thing to hear them with an open heart. Jesus says the reason you guys can't see it is because you can't hear it. And the reason you can't hear it is because you've willfully denied me. Verse 44, you're of your father the devil. The lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. He's a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me. What class? Not. Pretty straightforward. Jesus says, you're of your father the devil. You're believing his lies. I'm telling you the truth. And you won't believe me. I think I'll stop right there. I sure would love to finish, but I'll stop and make my summation. The truth is, every man, every woman, don't, don't dismiss me too, too fast. Every man and every woman was born in sin. The wage of that sin is death. I cannot save myself. Jesus came to give his life for me. I had to acknowledge my sin and receive him as my Lord and Savior. My choice. The evidence that I have believed on the Lord is I continue in the word of God. My life is changed. I hear his voice. I know that God is my father because I love his son. And in loving his son, I have proven that by keeping his commandments. And I don't see his commandments as grievous. And when he speaks to me, I hear his voice. And when I hear his voice, I don't burr up in pride. I say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Amen. Do you hear God's words? You read the text. Is God your father? Or is your life filled with lying and anger and murder and willful disobedience? Satan your father. Satan was my father at one time in my life. Until I was born again. I want to say one thing. And I know it's going over the airwaves. But I make no apology. The Pope said. That everybody. No matter who you are. And what your practice is. And your life is. 
We're all children of God. I know that the Pope has respect of the people. But that was a damnable lie. Because the Bible says, For ye all are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Not everybody's God's child. We're all God's creation. We don't become God's child until we receive God's son. Lies are out there. Let all men be liars. God be true. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, God, that's what Jesus was getting at. Am I, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? It wasn't through ignorance that they didn't believe him. It was through willful choice. They didn't want to humble themselves, confess their need for Jesus, believe upon him. They wanted to find righteousness in themselves. Oh, they talked a big game. God's our father. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. If Abraham were your father, you would do the works of Abraham. He loved me. Reality is, Jesus is God. He is the Messiah. He's the son of God. And every man and every woman on the face of the earth must receive him as the truth and must receive him for eternal life. The thing about it is you know all of our hearts whether we've done that or not. We might be able to hide with some facade but we cannot hide from the eyes of God. Lord, very easy for Christian people to sit here today and say they love Jesus. Oh yeah, we love Jesus. But they're not keeping his commandments. Somebody's not telling the truth. I read in the Bible, you can't lie. So if it's me or you, it's me. If it's them or you, it's them. Command of God to a Christian, it's not grievous, it's not vexing, it's not repulsive. It comes across with love. Jesus, you're a great preacher. Preach a great message today. May we humble our hearts to it. Just there, seated with the quietness of your own moment, your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Let me start with you, Christian. You love him. Is there evidence you love him? How are you doing in obedience to him? Pastor, I've got some things in my life that I know I've got to get right with him. Love. Love makes a man and a woman do things they're supposed to do. Sacrificial things. 
The difference between grievous and hard, sometimes the Lord asks us to do difficult things, but it's not repulsive to us. We seek his help and his mercy. If you love him, you're obeying him today. The good thing about the Lord is you can never spurn his love. If you're wayward today, you could come and find forgiveness for that. Cleansing. The joy of that, you'll find him to be a great lover. Maybe you're seated here today and you don't, you've never opened your heart to Jesus. And you see today the clear exaltation that he is the son of God. He's the savior of the world. And you have to receive him by faith into your heart. Believe upon him. Today you'd like to do that. There's no magic formula. Belief is just belief. Seated right there in your pew. If you want to receive him, you could ask him to come into your heart. He would say something like, dear Jesus, I've heard today that I need you as my Savior, and I want you as my Savior. The best I know how, I just ask you to come into my heart. I believe on you today as the Son of God. I believe you died for my sin, you were buried, and you rose again, and I want to be saved. I want to, be, I want to have eternal life, and I, I trust you today. Forgive me, cleanse me, be my Lord. That's a decision you can make right there. I'll give you a moment of quiet to do it. I wonder, seated there, Pastor, today I opened my heart of belief to the Lord and seated right here, I ask him to be my Savior. Don't embarrass me, don't call my name, Pastor. But I did that. I, the best I could, I asked him to save me, cleanse me from my sin. And I just want to let you know I did that. Would you lift your hand so I could see? Just lift it and put it back down. Pastor, the best I could, I received the Lord today. All right. I don't see any hand, so if you did, raise it higher. All right, stand if you would, please. Heavenly Father, we have our invitation now. So now it's up to God's people. If you love me, keep my commandments. I trust you just do work in our hearts now as we have time at the altar with you. And if there's be something between us and you, we get it right. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's lift our voice. Men of God, be here for prayer. If somebody would like to come, the altar is open. Verse number one.
so much for your attentiveness, your love for the Lord, your love for the Word of God. Somebody lost what seems to be pearls. I don't know if they're real or not. Uh, we'll just leave that right there. If they are real and you lost them then, and you don't claim them, they're going to the building fund if you'd like to claim them. <laughs> By the way, if you come up to me and want to claim them, you've got to show me a receipt, especially if they're real or I'm not giving them to you. All right. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. I want you to leave with that in your heart. Come Wednesday and pray with us. God bless you. See you next week. Bless you all you are dismissed.